Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Non-essential businesses in New Zealand must now close. All bars, restaurants, cafes, cinemas, pools, museums, libraries, playgrounds, any other place where the public congregate must close their face-to-face function. All indoor and outdoor events cannot proceed. In short, We are all now preparing as a nation to go into self-isolation. These decisions will place the most significant restrictions on New Zealanders' movements in modern history. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Imaging Takawengwa. I'm Dr Imaging Kelly, an audiovisual historian with Manatū Taonga, the Ministry for Culture and Heritage. And this is Kato Tuitamiru, Inside the Bubble. As lockdown loomed and you gathered your whanau, your supplies, your nerves, we corralled a team of oral historians, grappled with technology and digitally found our way into 25 unique New Zealand bubbles to capture your Aotearoa as you made history. It was a journey all five million of us made collectively as we prepared. And so my sister went crazy and bought so much cans. She became the panic shopper and I became the wingman to the panic shopper. We cared. I'm working part-time nursing. The first two weeks Mm. was very scary because we didn't know what was going to happen within the hospital. And we moved. Particularly... Going on lots of government-mandated walks outside. And... I see a lot of older people, people who look to be in their 70s and 80s, who I don't think you would normally see out on bikes. And we learned... Uh, I tried to learn guitar. I learned three songs during the quarantine. And we have four guitars in the hostel, so that was a perfect opportunity. We kept the homeschool thing happening. We made marshmallow putty and we did painting and uh, we exploded volcanoes. And even though we couldn't be together, we connected. I'm encouraged by the goodness of humans. I think there are the silver linings of connection and us seeing the best that we can be and caring for ourselves and our neighbours. And now we remember In this episode, we'll look back at how we connected. For now, I ask that New Zealand does what we do so well. We are a country that is creative, practical, and community-minded. 
We may not have experienced anything like this in our lifetimes, but we know how to rally and we know how to look after one another. And right now, what could be more important than that? So thank you for all that you're about to do. Please be strong, be kind. Early on, though, we were less connected. Our fear brought out the worst in some of us. Not long before the Prime Minister first called us a team of five million and her speechwriters and communications people came up with the rallying catch cry, Unite Against COVID-19, the fear of the invisible threat was actually dividing us. My name is uh, Ming Foon and I'm the Race Relations Commissioner. Um, um, my parents came from Guangzhou. Um, they escaped the uh, Japanese war and became refugees in Hong Kong, came to New Zealand. So kia ora everyone. That's Ming, singing Tamate Karona Waiata, a song he wrote and performed to urge New Zealanders to stay home, be united and be kind, because he could see something ugly was unfolding. In the beginning, um, before the lockdown fall, um, as it was progressing in China, you know, it started to actually permeate around the world. Uh, there was actually quite a spike um, in our info line complaints um, to the Human Rights Commission regarding racism. Some believe the team of five million had an imaginary opponent within it. People were sort of um, very obvious that they didn't walk on the same side of the street or said this is a Chinese virus, uh, bugger off home or more than that, if, if of home. Um, so we've had a number of those sort of things in the beginning. Um, as the virus came to New Zealand, it didn't just pick on Chinese people. The virus is sort of like a corona thing. It affects human beings. And so it infected a lot of different New Zealanders, and that sort of helped abate the racism. Um, unfortunate uh, before that also there was some anxiety of um, systemic type racism uh, regarding uh, some parents in some schools says oh be careful of those Asians and you your family better stay home uh, there was a report of a, a Filipino family um, that the a male was sent out and said this family um, is a high risk and they should actually stay home and then things got worse Hate, it seemed, was spreading faster than the virus. And as times progressed, uh, we've had um, an increase um, of uh, racism matters. Uh, we've had meetings with Facebook and the police. We've uh, spoken to the New Zealand Secret Service regarding highlighting the issues of racism. The police say um, unofficially, because they're still collecting data and analysing it, that about 80% of the complaints that they received during COVID is to do with race matters, and um, that's quite high. The uh, NetSafe um, also reported around about a 600-odd percent, um, mainly because when you're on lockdown, people are on the computer mm. um, do their 
hero, cowardly racism stuff online. And this wasn't the first time the fear surrounding a pandemic has led to a spike in racism. Similar fear and division were seen during the SARS pandemic in the early 2000s. And while much of the racism during lockdown was limited to online abuse, there was a worry things might turn physical when the Level 4 lockdown ended. We've been sort of like thinking, right, okay, when people come out, what are we going to do? So one of the things that we have done, and I know that you can sort of preempt that, and there's a high probability if we don't say anything or mitigate anything, um, it could actually um, get out of control. So I wrote to the School Trustees Association, the Teachers' Council, and the Principals' Association and said, look, um, it would be great if you can continue the message of kindness and respect and also um, be aware of racism in the schools and need to call it out and halt it. He also got in touch with businesses to get them to push the message of unity. Now, Ming's advocating for better teaching of New Zealand history so people don't keep on repeating the same behaviour. And he wants people to remember that our shared love of Aotearoa is actually what truly connects us. Even, and especially, when the fear and uncertainty of a pandemic lockdown is coming at us. You know, uh, there's a lot of um, stories that once we get to understand um, the local history of Māori themselves and the trials and tribulations of the breach of the Tiriti, and then you've got your refugees, your migrants that came here. Look, people that have come here, they must want to come here. There's a reason why they love this place. And so um, that's very important. I'm Dr Imogene Kelly, and you're listening to Kairo Tuitamiru, Inside the Bubble, a collection of oral histories recorded during the 2020 nationwide COVID-19 lockdown. While COVID-19 may have initially highlighted our division, it also brought a new connectedness. Heaps of the people we spoke to told us they'd made discoveries like this during lockdown. The thing that struck me was that kids' parents were spending more time with their children and the children loving it. You'll see like a family of two adults and two teenage children out on bikes together and it just makes you think, in ordinary times, I doubt these teenage children are going for weekend bike rides with their parents, um, which is quite nice to see. And we got to be a family without any pressure of having a routine or anything and that was really good for the kids. It wasn't all rosy. Homeschooling was fraught at times, domestic violence cases spiked, and some families were in truly terrible situations. But for many, there was just time. Time to rediscover those closest to us, without the distraction of our busy lives, or needing to be places all the time. Because I toured the world from four to six months out of the year. I don't like leaving my house and I don't like leaving my family. So this isolation was just heaven sent. I gotta get away sometimes. Oh yeah. I got to get away. I gotta slip away sometimes. Leon Davey is in the band Catch Fire. 
cheers for the sounds there, Catchfire. He's also a dad, and being part of a popular band that tours the globe means being away from his family. A lot. He and his wife, Hedini, were actually away in Hawaii when the borders were about to close, and they only just managed to slip back in. Even then, they still had to self-isolate from their kids for two weeks before being able to get home and see them again. Excuse me, sir. If COVID hadn't struck, instead of being home in March last year, he would have been touring America. It might have to be another day. I said I'm sorry. Well, he's never been home for my birthday ever. Like it's been over 10, 12 years. So I think that quarantine, we naturally reconnected, but reconnected with the people that really mattered to us, um, which was not just ourselves, our children, but our extended whānau. We were able to, as a family, you know, put in the time to our children and ourselves to really think, what is really important here? Before that, before quarantine, we would think that going out to beautiful restaurants, even though it was, but making a huge, fantastic day of it and events and do this, this and that was actually us spending quality time. But I think us being forced, we actually played games together. We laughed, we put down our phone. Like old days, how I remember growing up, you know, we would hang out together and laugh and argue and then stuff. But, you know, and it was just all very natural for us. And I think that's what we missed. Um, we didn't even realise it. I said I'm sorry. It's not ideal for an internationally successful band to be grounded in New Zealand. After all, the band is his job. But for Leon, the enforced stay was invaluable. You know, so many times we've left and all my kids at one stage have ended up bawling their eyes out on my way out the door for two months, you know. I've been... And it's like worst feeling ever. And we've all had to go through that. It was an absolute blessing. And to have that subsidy covered, that our wages covered, was absolutely fantastic for the band. For the band itself, reconnected with our families, it's given us time to reflect on what's really important. I've always put my family first. Weeks of lockdown also brought a renewed connectedness to Angelique Tuapata's family. Being together during this time of COVID-19 has kind of strengthened our family because we're a very busy family. Um, and Angelique was in a bubble with her sister and her dad, and although they're close, they usually live together, they're always just so busy. We have different schedules with work and church and um, other things that we do that... During this time, we've been able to slow down um, and just be together, um, work on each other as a family and set goals for what we want to do, um, as well as having space for ourselves um, individually. So the only people we've seen besides ourselves has just been our neighbours waving to us across the driveway um, and the supermarket workers. But our bubble is very comfortable. Um, no children around, which is kind of how I like it. Um, my dad doesn't like it too much because he misses like all my nieces and nephews um, and my cousins and their kids. So I think that's a bit difficult for him. But for me and my sisters, young adults, it's good for us because we can kind of have a good balance. But I guess it depends on your preference of who you want um, in your bubble. And our bubble's a really funny bubble as well. Um, quite a humorous 
um, family and we like to get together on the dinner table and that's our favourite part of the day and just to talk to each other about how our day's been um, especially um, because me and my sister have been working during this um, this time as well so yeah our bubble's really nice. Angelique works as a librarian in Auckland. And I remember during that time getting phone calls from my my manager and other people in the organisation I work with just to check on us and see if we're okay. With libraries closed, she was quite worried about her job, but she says her work went out of its way to keep staff feeling joined up and making sure they didn't feel alone. Initially, there were, of course, the usual problems with the tech. I remember our first... Um, meeting that I had with my team, it was a bit of a muck because we were using Microsoft Teams um, to call each other and we were using different um, different ways of communication. But they got there. The first couple of weeks, probably two weeks, was just getting everyone's mental health in check um, and making sure that we were okay and not giving any sort of work. Um, Council was really awesome. They actually allocated... Um, well, libraries actually allocated different um, people leaders to call as buddies to different um, to different colleagues throughout the organisation. So I was getting three phone calls from three different people: <laughs> my manager, my manager's manager, and um, my new people leader buddy, um, just to make sure that um, we were okay, our families were okay, we had everything we need, and just reassurance that we we're still getting paid, which was something I heavily worried about during that time. I was having questions in my head: uh, Do I have to go for wage subsidy? Um, I had questions like for my dad's benefit and stuff like that and I was a bit worried the first week but I was a bit calm at the same time because I could I came to the realisation of the new reality I was living in With the library closed her team was redeployed for the lockdown She was now the one making the calls to check in on people and make sure they were doing okay When I got the email about the redeployment I was like oh no I thought I would have to go, you know, go to the city where a lot of other people had to go as well. Um, but when they said that it was at home, I was a bit anxious because this was work that we were doing on behalf of and helping out the Ministry of Social Development. And as a lot of people may know, it's not the easiest job in the world, um, especially with the verbal abuse. And so... I was a bit worried about how the whole process was going to go. I was a bit curious to see who else from my team was redeployed as well. Um, And also the amount of hours um, that would go into the work. So the redeployment work, um, there was 70 plus um, Auckland Library staff that were redeployed from different library branches around um, Auckland. And we had to make uh, phone calls from a spreadsheet of 50 names per day um, to elderly people um, that own rest homes, that live by themselves, um, just to check on them, see if they have all the essentials that they need. Um, And if they don't, there was a process of who we can refer them to, CDEM, or if they need the police, um, if they need financial assistance, assistance and um, you know assistance with law and stuff like that so um, the first two days um, my I think it was eight of us from my team um, we all kind of formed our own 
little team chat just to keep each other going. For some, the disconnection they often feel from society was exacerbated by lockdown. And those autumnal... Government-mandated walks. ..with a wave or hello to people in your community were not always something to look forward to. Some, like, looked like a very young person on a bike, biking past, just, like, yelled a transphobic slur at me, which was really just such a strange experience. It's been a very long time since something like that happened to me. And it was just, it was so bizarre because it was so quick and he was on a bike, biking past quite fast, and no one else was really around to hear it. I've also had, like had a couple like weird experiences of harassment, which has been quite strange. And I, I'm not sure exactly why that's been the case, but I think maybe people are around, they're at home, they don't have much to do, or it's just like there's lots of like compressed emotions. Alia Winter is an artist from Wellington. She was living in a queer flat during lockdown and observed that being there she felt truly relaxed and comfortable in her skin. For many of us, letting go of our appearance was one of the pleasures of lockdown, and quite freeing in a way. But for Alia, not staying on top of her appearance can have more serious consequences, both for her state of mind and her physical safety. Because I guess there's an element of like femininity for me, that sort of like body armour going outside, but staying inside and not having that armour necessarily, like not putting on the makeup and not wearing like a certain kind of outfit and maybe not having shaved or something like that is like can create a bit of tension. But I'm very grateful that I live with people that I just feel very comfortable around with that stuff because I've definitely been in situations where that hasn't been the case and then you have this constant sort of like worry and wanting to maintain you're always negotiating your boundaries and figuring things out so I'm glad that I can just like breathe and not have to worry about that so it has been good at times she relished disconnecting from wider society it's been nice to just have a rest and have a break and I think especially for me sometimes that there's like that added extra layer of like being in the world particularly as like a trans-feminine person and not having that like hovering sort of anxiety about how you're being perceived or the hypervigilance of like always looking around to see how people are responding and whether you're in danger and things like that so it's kind of been nice to to opt out of that for a while and get back in touch with my body a little bit I guess as well because I haven't really had a regular routine of any physical exercise so doing a lot of it um, even though it's been partially to rid myself of nervous energy as well paradoxically it's been good to feel a bit more grounded and a bit more embodied than I have before. Being a cisgender woman I don't get hassled much if I want to wear my trackies, a t-shirt and no makeup. Actually, I hardly ever wear makeup. It's easy to forget how lucky I am sometimes. So for me, lockdown was actually a time when I really sought out connection with other people in my community, albeit at a distance of two metres. I didn't realise it at the time, 
But back in January, when I started getting involved in my local community garden, I was quite literally laying the groundwork of something that would really help me get through. I put a few plants in, and then someone built a fence around it for me, and left me a few herbs as well. When lockdown came, I could chuck some old clothes on, and go into the garden each day and do some weeding, while keeping two metres from anyone else who was around. That's when I met Hedewini, a fellow gardener. I wasn't feeling very well, not COVID, I was tested, and he told me how to gather kawakawa from the bank near the garden and turn it into tea. It helped, as did the chats with Hedewini and others who wandered past. It was so nice to be able to connect with someone new at a time when we were so starved of community. Those connections have remained and expanded through my gardening whānau after lockdown. The garden also helped me to connect with people who I never actually met. We had some people in our apartment block stranded in New Zealand for lockdown, and so I put a sign on my garden saying, help yourself. People did, and I felt good that during a difficult time, people could get some fresh spinach or herbs for their dinner. The community garden made life in a small apartment two storeys up much easier. My husband Jay and I found that even in our tiny apartment with our fat cat Ruby Tuesday, we got along better than ever. And Jay's dry sense of humour somehow emerged with the lockdown. He's pretty quiet, my Jay, but every so often he'd come out with a comment to crack me up and surprise me. Not bad after 14 years together. But now... One year on. As we look back, how are those connections travelling? Were our promises of big change, going easy on the environment, a big life or society reset, just like a New Year's resolution waiting to be broken? Or something simply forgotten as daily life picks up its unrelenting pace again? I hope not. I'll leave you with these words of hope from Northland community advocate, Carol Peters. I'm encouraged by the goodness of humans. I think the challenge for the community going forward is to maintain the care for each other that we've found during this time and also the care for the planet because we've observed how birds have come back into the centre of the city, animals um, and, the, and the atmosphere has cleared. And I think the challenge is to hold on to some of those gains, to not go back to practices that we had before of hurrying and using the planet without caring for it and hurrying day by day to work and back and not thinking about our neighbours and our relatives, to actually um, maintaining some of the uh, loving connections that we've had. And I think in New Zealand, we have done that perhaps better than many other places. I think there are the silver linings of connection and and us seeing how the best that we can be and caring for ourselves and our neighbours. I'm Dr Emma Jean Kelly, and that was We Connected, our final episode in the series. 
The series was written and executive produced by Teresa Cowie. Sound was designed and woven by Anaru Dalziel. Our production coordinator was Georgie Keyes, and the music was by Stephen Payton. The lockdown oral histories you heard in this episode were recorded by Alex Mason, Linda Chanwai Earl, Tuara Tini, Jackie Keelan, and Will Hansen. Our thanks to the Ministry for Culture and Heritage, Auckland Libraries, especially Sue Berman, RNZ for the News Archive, and of course to those who shared their bubble with us, Angelique Tuapata, Albert Trail, Alia Winter, Leon and Hedani Davy, Carol Peters and Ming Foon. Nga mihi nui kia koutou. If you want to hear their full interviews, head to the Auckland Library's website. And thanks to Catchify for the use of their song, Getaway. If you enjoyed the series, please subscribe, rate and review so it's easier for others to find it too. Thanks so much for coming inside the bubble with us. Matua. Matua.